Hey, yo, Mac, look Ladies at the beat and gentlemen, drop. C5. Oh. Wing time. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Zone, 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 zone. Let me see well, we have a new champ, but I think, Tones, that we have more pressing news to discuss right off the top of this podcast. Marshawn Lynch is back. And, and he's holding hold the stick. That's what he does. Oh, the logo is back in the NFL. I That's, love Marshawn Lynch. It's just going to last this season, right? Like, there's no way he goes beyond this year. I hope he stays forever. The Seahawks are bringing in a fresh body that's going to run the ball because they've lost two running backs. He's fresh as hell, and he's going to play in like he's going to play Week 17 in the playoffs. It's going to be great. That'll be the, that'll be it. So excited. Do we want the Seahawks to win the Super Bowl if it's not the Saints? No. Okay. Fuck them. Speaking of champs, yeah, yeah, we have to. It's time. Congratulations, congratulations, Dan. Congratulations, yeah, you congrats, did it, Dan. Yeah, you did it. Um, we're actually going to be bringing the champ on, and that's no surprise. It's in the description of the pod. Everyone mm-hmm. knows it's fine. He was at a cottage this weekend. Cottage in the winter, eh? Was CRG there? Do you think? I think they banged. Wait, what? <laughs> we got to ask if CRG nice, was at nice the romantic weekend. We have to. We have to. Let's jump into the matchup, why don't we? Let's do it. We're getting into it. And the two seed, Dan, defeating the six seed. Nick, it's over. And it's over in a big way. 158-90. to Dan completes a triumphant season in which he doesn't finish first, but still gets one of the buys and absolutely dominates in the playoffs. Tones, I have a stat about Dan. I kind of put it in the chat. 67-plus point differential in the finals. Dan wins over Nick. That is the largest in whole Medic League history. The previous high, 51 points when Rob beat Franco in 2017. Dan also had a 130-plus point differential between the semis and the finals. That is the largest ever. As we go through this pod tones, we might see some situations of firsts. It was a year of so many firsts. Mm-hmm. This was one of them. It was an absolute shit show, and Nicky's luck kind of ran out. Yeah, that was it. It was a great run for Nick. Tip your cap to him. He did exactly what I wanted to happen in this league. Anyone could get in, have a chance, make a run. He was the sixth seed, went all the way to the finals, and uh, defended his crown admirably. But at the end of it all, he could not beat our Greg Jennings winner this week. Fuck it. You can't stop me. Saquon Barkley, who had a huge semis week and an even bigger finals week. What a week to finally emerge for Dan, a guy who had injuries this season, who wasn't healthy, and Dan was concerned about his availability. Right. Missed three weeks. We talked on this pod from weeks 12 to 14 when he combined for about 23 points in a mm. three-week stretch. We said, Saquon doesn't look right. And he's playing, he had tougher matchups, but that's a guy who is typically matchup-proof. A guy like Christian McCaffrey, who it doesn't matter who he plays, he finds his. He didn't. And then he gets his get-right game against Miami, puts up 26 points in Week 15, and there he is in Week 16, 39, nearly 40, 39. nearly 40 points for one of the biggest performances of any fantasy player this season, not named Lamar Jackson. And, yeah. and what a time to show up. It was perfect. It was perfect. Dan couldn't have drawn it up any better. It's almost as if he rested Saquon Barkley and said, hey, chill until the semis, and just went in there and dominated, and it gave him a championship. His best player gave him a title. 
That's you look, what needs to happen. Absolutely. And you look at 158 points put on the board, and it comes from so many different places. And yes, Saquon's 39 is amazing. But let's go through some of these guys. And starting with your boy, Mike Thomas, what a week again. What else is new? It was amazing. We, we both knew like this would happen. He was chasing down Marvin Harrison's single-season reception record. So you knew he was going to get fed the ball, probably more so than he usually did. And guess what happened? Gets the record, 10 catches, he was amazing. Put up 19 points. Awesome. Um, what makes it even more awesome? This is this is a stat that like just literally blew my mind. Mike Thomas, 15th career game with 10 plus catches and 100 plus yards. That matches Jerry Rice's career total. Oh my god. Career total. The best receiver ever. Ever. Crazy. Crazy. Mike Thomas had an unbelievable year. Capped off with this performance. It was fantastic. And you look at every single week, he's got double-digit targets and double-digit receptions. Only three times, only three times did he have both under, uh, both single digits in targets and receptions this year. And basically the moral of the story there is the guy gets fed nonstop. It's insane. 145 receptions, 1,688 receiving yards, nine touchdowns. There isn't a single part yeah. of that that we don't like. And imagine this was a PPR league. Yeah. Oh. Imagine. Dan would be absolutely unstoppable. Yeah. We would have to make rules as to how we get keepers back into the draft right. after maybe three years. Between because, him and Saquon? Yeah, Because no he doubt. would be untouchable. Really insane. So, moving on to another guy that we need to talk about, and there's a few, and we're, we're getting to them, but Kenny Galladay is another guy. Because mm-hmm. Chris Godwin, we had a discussion last week about Chris Godwin not being in his lineup, and that was seemingly a big loss. But when you have backups for, for backups, as Nick Dotto once said, you can just plug a guy in like this and expect to get 66 yards and a touchdown to get you double-digit points in your flex. Yeah. And he makes he trades a first-round pick to get this guy. So he went out, got his guy, and had him for this moment. Now, did he need him in the finals? With 158, of course not, but it's depth across the board, and that's what makes Dan's squad this year... I don't want to have a recency bias moment here, but Dan's squad this year, top to bottom, is one of the best ever constructed in our, in league. our league, when I you look agree. at the domination and you see it from the semis and the finals, that point differential means something. Yes, the opponents didn't put up points against him, but when you were scoring that many points, this guy was unstoppable. The next guy, Mark Andrews, mm-hmm. with 21 points. He's been so solid for him all year long. Catches touchdowns almost every single week. He got two, six receptions, 93 yards, and... What a, what a tight end in a year that we knew that the tight end position was really thin. Yeah, and in a game that we were somewhat concerned about the Ravens coming into it because they, they could have locked up the one seed by the Saturday the end of the Patriots-Bills game on the Saturday. I'm like, oh man, are they going to rest the guy like Mark Andrews? They didn't. They played him in there. Nine targets. They fed him. It was all good and good for Dan. It worked out. But yeah, he's a beast, man. A fucking monster. Ten touchdowns for a guy that he got late in the draft. Pretty yeah. good. Robert Woods getting 12 points after weeks of not getting... Oh, actually, he had three of his last four weeks. I apologize yeah. with double digits. But his year largely was a disappointment, especially Huge for a guy that Dan took in the opening... I believe he took him in the first round. Second. Now I'm, he took him in the second round because Godwin was his yeah. first pick. Back to Godwin for just one second. Yeah. And this is kind of like the perfect capper on Dan's season and what he did here. If it was my team or your team making it to, let's just say, the first or second round of our playoffs this year, and you lose that guy... You lose one of you lose the second most point producing wide receiver in fantasy this year. That is a devastating loss. And with this guy's team, he didn't even have to blink 
because Thomas Sutton and Woods being in your wide receivers one through three spots and Galladay in your flex, it's a joke. It's an absolute joke. And it's like, the point is the depth. Yes. It's, it's unrivaled. It's, it's, we, we mentioned it when he was making the trades, right? He is a guy, it's no secret, he's a guy that goes wants to go into the playoffs with an abundance of depth. It's not enough to have just a backup plan if one guy gets hurt. He needs a couple backup plans. And it makes sense. If he needs to work a matchup, if your backup plan is Joe Schmo, but Joe Schmo is a tough backup plan or a tough matchup in that week, yep. and you need that win that week, he's not going to be handcuffed and go say, okay, I'm going to go pick up a waiver guy, and that backup plan isn't even worth putting in the lineup. Yep. What's the point of having that guy? He has options. That's the key to Dan's success in the two years he's won the title. And it paid off. This was probably his most masterful depth roster, like you mentioned before, that he's put together. It's really incredible. I wonder if a team like Rich, who had such high aspirations mm. and who won seven straight games this year, I wonder if he had a healthy season. Because we have to say, like, Dan's season was pretty healthy, yeah. all things considered. Like, I know he lost Saquon Barkley for a while, but... Other than that, he was still getting so many points from all the other guys on his roster. I wonder if a guy like Rich had healthy T.Y., uh, uh, healthy Arizona backfield, because obviously David Johnson, and Tyreek Hill missing some time as well. I know it didn't end up hurting him in the season because he finished first, but I just wonder if those guys had been healthy and clicking and chugging all year long. Then he loses to Alvin Cook Mm. in in the time that matters the most. Would we be maybe talking about Rich's team in that light coming out at the end of the season now? I mean, it would have been, what a juggernaut game that would have been, seeing Rich and Dan go head-to-head with healthy rosters, but it doesn't matter. we're not going to remember the teams that didn't make right. it. Right, and I think we're almost answering our own question because a guy like Rich was trading away guys that he could have used down the stretch, like a Sony Michelle. He traded to actually Dan early in the season, and Dan used them, and it worked out, and like... That's the kind of moves that the smart owners make. And I'm not trying to say that Rich isn't a smart owner because he is. But, like, where Dan sees other people's failures. Sorry, let me rephrase that. Dan looks at other people's failures and sees opportunity for himself. Sure. Oh, so-and-so has been not producing well. It's like the Jays just picking up Travis Shaw. Sure. Oh, he's having a couple down weeks. I'm going to buy low on this guy. Worst case, he's my RB4. And I'm in good shape. And if it works out, which for the most part it does for Dan because he picks his spots well, it works out. Like, it's it's really impressive. And going back to Rich for one second, in comparison to Dan here, the common denominator between both of those team seasons is the draft. And that's something that we're going to talk about, put oh, yeah. a pin on that, because we'll get to that later. Um, before we do end up getting to Dan and bringing him on here, let's just talk about Nick, because yeah. what a run. Have to give the guy credit, and we have been for weeks on end now. The four straight playoff wins, most in league history, loses in the finals, and it's because of getting absolutely terrible performances from guys that he yeah. leaned on so heavily throughout the year. Yeah, you and I loved the DeAndre Hopkins matchup on Saturday with Tampa Bay. We thought that game would be a shootout. It had all the makings, but this is why fantasy is the most unpredictable thing you could possibly find. D-Hop gets two points on yeah. Saturday. That basically, you know when that happens, it's pretty much done. Like That's like Mike Thomas putting up two points, right? Yeah. And you're like, oh shit, that thing that he's been relying on not there now. Yeah. What's going to happen? And still put up a respectable number, I guess. 90 points. Like, not great, but not terrible. Some that s- sucks. Some 
almost season worst or at least playoffs worst performances from some of his most reliable guys. You mentioned DeAndre Hopkins. Yep. Allen Robinson, back down to earth. You and I were clamoring for mm-hmm. it. We were waiting for it. But 5.3 points, that's his worst performance since one point in week 11. Right. He had gone nonstop double digits, touchdowns in almost every single one of those games, and then he doesn't catch his ball. He doesn't get there. Uh, Zach Ertz, a dud. Marquise Brown, a dud. And these are guys who had had varied degrees of success, especially Ertz lately. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, at the end of the day, it sucks because you can't really keep up with 158 points regardless. But still, it's just disappointing, I think, if you're Nick looking at these guys being like, damn, like, when I needed you guys the most. Like, McCaffrey can't put up 49 points by himself every right. single week. The ca- McCaffrey was 17 points. I mean... His best skill player outside of Ryan Tannehill. So, I mean... Crazy Yeah, that Ryan Tannehill started in the it's, championship. But, yeah, you're right. Like, it, it basically... Nick was the guy that was just give me a chance, right? Yeah. Get, just keep it somewhat close, and I'll, somehow he'll find a way to pull it, pull it out of his ass in the end. This thing was over when Saquon rattled off, what, like a 60-yard receiving touchdown in, like, the second quarter of that game. It was like, holy shit. You looked at the matchup, and Nick's already at, like, 2% chance to win this thing. And it sucks because, like we said, it started on Saturday with DeAndre Hopkins having a dud, then A-Rob, and then Ertz adding to that. It's it's not good. Yeah. Uh, all right. So we, we kind of touched on it a little bit, but let's go through Dan's season. I was going through the teams that, you know, lost, right? Eliminated, see you later, sayonara, pour the dirt on you. But let's give Dan, let's look back at his season because I love doing this. What made a champion? Yep. What happened? To be to allow Dan to be the winner of this league, and for all of us, it's an education. We should all be taking notes here. <laughs> so let's rewind it back, Dan. You need good keepers, right? You and I have talked about this so many times. You need really good keepers. Dan, in my opinion, had the best keepers entering the league: Mike Thomas, Saquon Barkley, and Chubb. I think it's safe to say that we all agree with that. Pretty amazing. On top of that, what a draft! What a draft! Chris Godwin in the first. We've talked about it enough. We both thought, holy shit, that's a little early. Nope. Yep. We're stupid. Robert Woods in the second, which for the most of the season was looking like a bust, but towards the end, he turned it on, as you just pointed out. Cortland Sutton in the sixth yep. is probably the pick of the draft. I think it's up there. He's amazing. And I think it, we look back and be like, oh, how did Dan get Mike Thomas? Well, it was a perfect storm, right? Rookie receiver in year that... And Dan needed a keeper wide receiver. He had a keeper spot open, basically, so he kept him. Cortland Sutton had a very comparable year this year to Mike Thomas in that in that year that Dan had him. Yep. And if Dan's team was worse, Cortland Sutton might be a keeper moving forward. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if he's a first-round pick next year. Yep. He was that good, and that's not even talking about Godwin. Got him in the sixth fucking round. Mark Andrews, seventh round. That's a steal. Absolutely. We didn't really know what Mark Andrews was going to be this year, and we also looked at three tight ends there being like, I think it's going to go to Andrews, but right. who knows what's really going to happen. Hurst was another first-round pick they it's, had. Especially yeah. with a run-heavy team. And coming into the year, Ryan seemed to be the only one amongst us who knew that Lamar Jackson was going to have a freakish year, both with his arm and all with his legs. So, I mean, Andrews doing what he did in that offense, it actually it surprised me quite a bit. And For I sure. knew that Andrews was going to be a good tight end. I just didn't know if he was going to be good with that scheme, and there he is, one of the best tight ends in the year this year. What I take away, and he also took Metcalf in the 10th, and this adds to it, what I take away from his, from these picks I just rattled off, is he bet on talent. And 
hoping that they would work. And here's the thing. If Andrews busted as a seventh-round pick, who gives a shit? Yep. The Godwin one was more risky, and then he took the safe guy in the second, Robert Woods, who I think, I'm not alone in thinking this, was baffled that he even made it to the second round based on yeah. the year he just had. And he took shots on high-upside, talented players, and it just worked out more often than not this year. And hey, maybe next year it might not, right? Everyone takes shots on the talented guys that maybe haven't proved much in years past, and it doesn't work out. But Dan... For him, it really worked this year. Getting into the season, he got off to a great start, but the uh-oh happened early. We mentioned it. Saquon Barkley gets hurt in week three, doesn't return until week seven, so he's aggressive. Goes out, gets Sony Michelle, buys low from Rich, who was getting off to a terrible start. Uh, Sony was, not Rich. Sony puts up 6, 18, and 11 points in Saquon's absence. He put him in the lineup each and every week. Even when Saquon came back, I believe there was a bye week for the Browns, so he did put him in there. 21 points sure, sure. the next week. Ridiculous. So a shrewd move. Smart guy buying low. Kept him afloat during that stretch. And that paid off big. Wins five of his first six games. Averaged 125.49 points in that stretch. Jesus. Yeah. He then loses to Ryan, his main competition at that point in the season. It was only Dan's second week under 100 points. But he does what he does. He's aggressive. He strikes while the iron's hot. Makes the big move. Trades a first and a seventh with a couple throw-in players for Kenny Galladay, Evan Engram, who we barely even talked about because he was hurt yep. for the majority of the time that Dan had him. Uh, and that set the tone. That was a big trade, not just for Dan, but for the league. That really set the tone of what the market would be in terms of the trades this season. Rob wanted a first for Kenny Galladay and whatever else somebody wanted. He was holding out. I offered him a second just for Galladay, and he was holding out for this. He was setting the market Dan's podcast appearance probably backfired in his face there and had to pay up for it, but hey, it worked out. But it's a big move, and without that move, is he the champ? It's an interesting question because his team was super good, but that helped his depth so much because it was his really only big, big, big move. Yeah. What do you think? Like, I think you that, think he would have won without Galladay? I think if Dan would have lost one more week this year, he wouldn't have gotten the buy that he yes. needed to advance and he would have had to win an extra game and I know that he dominated in weeks 15 and 16 but without having all of the data in front of me right now I wonder what would have happened in week 14 right I wonder if he maybe would have had a dud week and and if if things would have gone maybe a little more sour because he had such great weeks 15 and 16 but and I you know what I have it in front of me right now his full roster starting in week 14 had 94 points Mm -hmm. that was fewer than Rob um Nick and uh, Ryan, it was me and Rich who had uh, less than Dan had that week. And, I mean, he had his full roster in yep, play there. Yep. You know what I mean? It's not like there was anyone that was banged up, missing, or whatever it was. So the buy meant everything. And without that buy, he moves down, Ryan moves up, Ryan gets the buy. And 100%. I, it could have been very different. And we're not going to go through the seeding and bore everyone with that right now. But... Those guys putting up the points that they did and getting him all the wins that he needed changed the season for him. I totally agree. And it's one of those things that we forget about in the moment or when the season's over because you kind of forget, and this is why I like doing this, is you kind of forget, oh yeah, there is bye weeks during the season. Dan had four losses despite this great roster. Maybe the bye week where he's plugging in a waiver guy instead of the depth on top of depth that we were thinking. Yep. Like, maybe that is the difference between him getting 
four or five losses. And like you said, he's the three seed instead, or the four seed even, and he's in that eight and four group. It just changes a lot. So I think that was his main motivation for getting a guy like Galladay. I'm good with the bye weeks. We're all set. And it paid off. The first week he had Galladay, puts him into the lineup. Woods goes to the bench, who's been really bad. Now he's your depth guy, right? Yep. Galladay puts up 22 points. A ridiculous week. And the rest of the season was equally as impressive. He goes 22, 19, 11. Falls off a cliff when Chump Sauce gets hurt. Um, gets three, then six, then picks it up. 21, 11, 4, 12 to close out the fantasy season. It wasn't as big boom as it was at the start of the year, but it was still pretty fucking great. Um, loses in week nine to Nick. He's in a finals preview, which we didn't realize. With Stafford in as QB. So, Dan, once again, after a loss, decides to be aggressive. Goes out, acquires Patrick Mahomes for Matt Ryan, and yep. a fourth. Matt Ryan was really good, but at the start of the year, but started to kind of come back down to earth. And let's go get Mahomes for a fourth fucking round pick. I remember kicking myself in the back of the head going, that's all it was going to be. God damn it. And this is why Dan is smart. Because we were all assuming, oh my God, what's fucking Rob going to want for Mahomes if yep. he wants all these early round picks or these chumps? Like, it's a fourth round pick. It's all it took. I'm sure a lot of people were kicking themselves in the back of the head on that one. Uh, ends the season winning three of four, clinches that by all of these moves, I think contributed to him making sure he got that by because his margin for error was just not as great. He had one of the most dominant seasons we've seen in a long time. He had four losses. He put up 87, 96, 120, 117 in those losses. Yeah. He averaged 119.12 points per week. For comparison's sake, Nick was 106, who wow. was in the finals. Ryan, who is another juggernaut team, right? 113. Six points less. Which doesn't seem like a lot, but when you're averaging shit out, that is a lot. Yeah. That's a that's a pretty healthy difference right there. Yep. It's a crazy season. I think it's one of the best teams put together in our fantasy league history. You mentioned that as well. I think we're in agreement there. What is your big takeaway from Dan's championship? Uh I think the biggest takeaway for me is just constant success unless he chooses otherwise. And it's not just about the championship this year. I want to extend it beyond that because he either chooses to tank and get points or he has a tremendous amount of success, makes the finals, or at least makes a run to the semis. And that seems to be the way that it is. He knows when it's time to rebuild. He knows when it's time to reboot. And he, because of that, has accumulated great players in the process. Remember, this is a guy who one time... Had Odell on his roster, let him go, and still ended up working out just fine because he finds other keepers to make. And you know what? He's going to have some really good guys going back into this draft next year, and that's going to be really good for everybody else. I mean, maybe fantasy football is, for the the most part, I think fantasy football is luck. But you still have to make good decisions. And however strategy you employ to do that, I mean, whatever he's doing, he's doing it well. My big takeaway is be aggressive. Be be <laughs> aggressive. Like, you have to strike while the iron's hot. He knew he had a pretty good team after just starting 2-0, and this is why I'm such a strong believer in getting off to a good start because it allows you to make more aggressive moves. I would have loved to trade. I was begging to trade my first-round pick this year, but guess what? When you're 2-2 two and two and the season could go south like that, you cannot do it. If you get off to a good start, you have a chance to beef up your roster. Dan knows that better than most. Strike while the iron is hot. Picks, players, doesn't fucking matter. Acquire the best team you possibly can. Give yourself the best chance to win. And after all the tire pumping we've done, it has to be about time that we bring on the 2019 Hold My Dick 
fantasy football champion, the two-time champion, Dan Winarczyk. Champ is here! What's going on? What's going on? Hey, Nick, can you play that music you played for yourself last week, a couple weeks ago? The Ooh. champ is here. Oh. Where's that? Where's that? You know, we actually twisting the knife. We actually thought about what music we'd bring on for you, and at this point, I think it's safe to say that everyone needs to have their own theme song moving forward. Love it. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. What's your entrance music? Like, what's your walk-up song? Oh man, I didn't, I didn't think about that. I don't know. Uh, I, I can't think of anything on top of my head. I don't know. You'll have to give it into the group chat, and we'll have to make a banker of yeah. everyone's music. And I we're like gonna. This idea. And I think eventually we'll play everyone's music except for Mike because he's never gonna win. Yeah, he's again. never gonna. Congrats yeah. to Mike on yeah. winning his second game yeah. of the year. Yeah. yeah. So Dan, let's go into this a little bit because Tones and I have basically pumped your tires for the last fifteen to twenty minutes on the pod as we normally do. <laughs> but one of the big takeaways was your draft and how you built this team through keepers and draft. And if you compare it to Nicky who won last year, he did it with huge trades to beef up a bad draft and an, a below average roster. And he made the right trades with you. You drafted so well, and it all starts with Godwin in the first. So let's go back to the draft for a second. Did you know you had a powerhouse squad? How did you feel walking out of it? And were there guys that you picked and thought to yourself, I'm not really sure what they're going to be, and others who maybe it was like, holy shit, thank God I got that guy. Like, what was your big takeaway on draft night? I would say I was scared of Rich's team for sure. His team was really, really good on paper the day one, day one. I didn't see Nick as a threat at all the whole year. <laughs> uh, Rob, I was a little scared of Rob's team as well, too, but obviously that went to shit really quickly. Um, I think I, I felt pretty good about my draft. Um, I knew I needed some trains, uh, some trades I had to do down the line, but I, I was happy with Godwin. I thought he was going to be good. I don't know if he would be that good, but I thought he was going to be pretty good. And uh, my biggest move that I think helped me the most and I was pretty confident about was getting a backup tight end because I knew that tight ends were really tough this year with no Gronk and I guess William was back now. But um, I didn't feel great about Njoku, so I was like, I need, a, I need a backup tight end. So I picked up Mark Andrews, and that worked out for me as well too. So, you know, you know the name of the game. I, I play depth. I try to get as much depth as I can. And uh, that, that was my goal to come out that night with uh, uh, some reliable uh, starters and some good depth. And uh, I thankfully, I had some more hits than misses. Let's talk about Saquon for a sec. Because Anthony and I had spoken on the pod about being concerned about his production for so long. And there was, there was a stretch of time where between weeks 12 and 14, he puts up 6, 11, 6. And that's heading into your week 15, 16 matchups, the home stretch for you after getting your bye. We saw Miami and Washington on the sked, and you were probably licking your chops, but was there any concern on your part the way there was with us that maybe he just wasn't going to come through when you needed him the most? I'd say the, the, I was scared the most when there was a the talk about benching him for the rest of the season because the Giants were shit and this and that. And I was like, oh, no, if that happens, I know I'm fucked because I knew they had a good schedule coming up with the Jets in Miami, and I knew that he's getting the touches still. So if, as long as he keeps getting the touches, he always has a chance to break out for 100 yards and a touchdown. So I, I, either way, if he was playing, I'm starting him. doesn't matter with the matchup. Um, um, but that was the only time I was a little scared for him was when – they might shut him down, but when he was when he said that he was going to play the rest of the season, I wasn't too worried about his injury. I, I thought the worst was behind him. I didn't think he would re-injure it, uh, but I definitely didn't see that forty-five point fancy performance at the end there. I didn't see that coming. That was beautiful. That's insane. Friggin' Saquon, the guy's too damn good, man. Wish my first overall pick did that good. Um, yeah, he always has a chance of getting those forty-five points, but he just he's like the uh, he has probably the highest ceiling of any running back, even more than than. Uh, 
um, McCaffrey, I think. 100%. And what's scarier is going into, you know, now we're thinking into next year and the years after. Like, that team can only get better. Yeah. Like, it's never going to get worse. So that's just yeah. fucking terrifying. You might as well give you the ship next year, too. Um, <laughs> I loved how much... I always love your aggressive trades. I want more trades in this league. It's no fucking stunner. And you are the number one guy on team, let's just give away my picks. I don't give a fuck. When you're... When you were, I believe you made the Galladay trade before week seven. And when you were there, did you sit there and say, okay, Robert Woods is the issue. I need to replace this receiver in some way, shape, or form. Like, was that the idea behind that trade? Because I think that had a big factor in you getting your buy, making it all the way to the ship. Like, explain your aggressiveness there. Uh, I'm trying to remember. I don't. I think I still had Michael... Thomas and Gawain were still playing, doing well. Um, You had Sutton and Metcalf as well, who at the time, Metcalf was actually doing pretty well. He had a couple big games in there, but then the fall-off games too. It seemed... Sorry, I was just going to say, it just seemed that Robert Woods early in the season was the problem. He had one double-digit performance in his first 12 weeks, which I think surprised most people considering his season last year. I would say that, that for sure Robert Woods would have played a big part with my for the reason for that trade, but also um, when it came to when it came to Metcalf, I never I don't think I really started him all year. I always had him on the bench. I may have plugged him in once or twice, but I was I knew that he always had he always had the boom potential, but he wasn't getting a lot of targets and he was very dependent on the touchdown. Um, and, and matchup dependent as well. And I was just like, mm, I wasn't feeling too great about Metcalf. I wanted someone you could plug in and not worry about, and Robert was supposed to be that guy, but he wasn't being that guy. So it's hard for me to kind of trust um, my own bias for Lions players, but I knew Galladay was a real deal. I knew he was playing well. And at the time, I'm pretty sure Stafford was healthy, mm-hmm. so I, I just... I just didn't see any reason to not take to make that trade. And uh, first, is a steep is a steep price, but uh, I knew that, especially if Stafford was healthy, I knew that for a first, I'm getting a guy who would be top five, top ten receiver in the league. And obviously, he finished I think top three. It's been crazy. I didn't expect that, especially with his backup uh, quarterback for the last few weeks. But uh, I was feeling pretty good about him, so I thought I, it was a pretty safe trade to make, even though it was a first. See, and that's the thing, and this is what I think makes you really smart is. It's, it's one thing to look at like what Doors and I usually do and just pull up the player's player card and be like, oh, wow, he has double-digit points in three of the last four weeks or whatever. But a guy like Metcalf and even a guy like Sutton at that point in the season, like we don't have the information we have now where we're going, oh, man, Sutton was such a great pick. At the time, you have to trust in the ability to start a player. And uh-huh. you didn't feel comfortable putting Metcalf in there during bye week apocalypse which was coming up in just a few weeks in that season and that's what i think i know is my big takeaway going into after going into next year is being like hey you have to be able to see a vision for the player and actually put him in the lineup and feel comfortable doing that who do you feel more comfortable starting galladay or dk metcalf i think the answer is unbelievably obvious yeah and the draft price at that point or the trade price at that point doesn't fucking matter i think that's what i applauded the shit out of you for this year coming out of it. And stuff to do sometimes with trades, it's not always um, for the whole year. Sometimes sure. I make trades just to help me for three, four, four weeks for an injury or if I have five weeks coming up. I, I don't like to take any weeks off. I don't want one week that's like, ah, I'm losing this week, next week I'll be back. No, every week matters and I made sure that I always had someone good to play every week regardless of buy or whatnot. 
which is, I think, why I made the Mahomes trade as well, because I wasn't feeling good about Matt Ryan during that time. Right. We just made a comment before you came on about how your record was so important, because if you didn't have a nine-win season, you would have fallen to the three-seed. And in your Week 14 bye, with a full starting roster, you only put up 91 points. Three guys in the championship bracket would have beat you. My point behind that is the bye is so damn important. And every single champ in the six-year history of our league has been a one or two seed that has one has gotten one of the buys. And that is so huge. And you're, and obviously everyone wants to win every single week, but like every loss matters. When it comes down to it, you want to finish as one of the top two teams in the league. And Nikki's run was great, but the fact of the matter is no one's going to remember Nick's 2019 season incredible run they're gonna remember that dan won his second championship in four years and that's what matters the most so yeah no weeks off win every single week you got a nine win season most points for get the bye and then you clean up weeks 15 and 16 and no one will ever look back and think well dan would have would have lost in week 14 and would have been it doesn't matter doesn't matter this is one of the most dominant teams rosters we've ever seen in terms of points scored and what you did to the opponents in the playoffs incredible basically incredible is my point CRG like a week before uh, the finals and I, I was talking to him I was like there's no way in hell I can let a 5-8 and eight team win the trophy like no way I was like I like Nick he's respectful he's nice if there's any guy who I don't mind losing to with someone like Nick but I was like I can't have this guy fluke his way to the finals no way especially with how much talent I had on my team I was like it's gotta, it's gotta go off eventually it's gotta go off it's so funny because you actually texted me that the exact same thing because I had texted you and Nikki basically saying I want the winner on the pod and Anthony and I were oh, talking yeah. about this and you're just like there's no way I'll let a 5-8 and eight team win and I said to you it could be worse you could have lost to Mike Dotto in the finals yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> nothing's worse than that nothing is worse speaking of that Dan I want you I'm going to put you on the spot here and I want you to call some people out yeah, because this has just been too nice and cordial. And, you know, last time you were on this thing, we yelled at each other and it was great. But I uh, I now want you to make some enemies. Who do you want, if, if you're going into next season and you are you have another dominant year and you're in the finals, who do you want to beat in the finals next year? Who do you want to see have a good year? It could be someone who's been shit for a while. It could be somebody who's been had some good years like Doris and just been scorned in the end. Who do you really want to fucking take down next season? You know what, I, I, I mentioned in the group chat recently, and I think there's no better time to do it than now, I was going to make a little announcement on uh, the Super Bowl party and talk about uh, who my new rival was going to be. Oh, I love it. Because, again, I don't want to throw some shade towards you, Ants, but a rival needs to be winning and be competitive, and unfortunately, I haven't really been seeing playoffs too much recently. <laughs> so not, I can't have a wrong. rival who's always eliminated from the playoffs. So, I think... Who's the guy just beat in the finals? Who's the guy who also has two championships to his name? It's Nick. Oh. I want Nick in the finals again next year. I want to beat him again and again yeah. and again. Because I don't want this guy to be anywhere near the amount of trophies that I will have. <laughs> I love it. That's and here, incredible. Here's the beauty of that is going into this year, Nick had no draft picks. Yeah. This year, Nick yeah. has draft picks. He's going to be back. His keepers are solid. Like, he's he's got a chance to be really good again next year. So what you're saying could actually happen. I love it. And I think, I Rivalry think week, Doris, make a note. Yep. 
I was, I think I was missing one or two picks this year as well, too. I didn't have a full draft this year. Yeah, either. you didn't have your third or fourth, I believe. Yeah, that's what it was, yeah. yeah. So so I didn't have as many picks as I wanted, for sure, but obviously it worked out with the other picks I made. But, yeah, you know, it goes to show that, um, you know, a first is a big deal when you lose a first, and I usually like to trade my first for wide receivers or, or like a really good tight end, like a Kelsey or something. Guys who you know are bona fide amazing. Um, I don't like to take a risk and do first for, like, running backs that, you know, the running backs are a shit show unless you have the Zeke or the Barkley right. or those kind of guys. So, uh, yeah, I, I, it, it was tough to trade the first for next year, but um, I usually don't mind missing a couple of picks. You can still be competitive without that. Yeah, absolutely worth it. So, you mentioned the Super Bowl. We got to ask, you're going to be there, I assume, because I know that you've been rotating your boys and uh, and us every year. We had you last year, didn't we? So, you got to be yeah, there this yeah, year. Yeah, you did. But and not, not to bring uh, an, uh, bring it on the down note, but I told you recently that uh, my group of friends that I hang out with on the on the, uh, uh, on the side as well, um, they do a Super Bowl party every year. But unfortunately, the one who used to host uh, passed away a couple years ago, so yeah. we haven't been we haven't been doing his place recently. Um, uh, so yeah, so I probably will start going to your uh, your Super Bowl party from now on. I would say Woo. unless it changes, but from now on, I'm, I'm pretty much going to be a permanent. Uh, um, party goer. Love it. Super Bowl. We're happy to have yeah. you. We don't know where no, it's going to be this year. We uh, we got to talk to Mike and Franco. We're just going to show up to Mike's place. It's going to be great. So well, without goes. Oh, okay. Yeah, without giving too much away. Um, trophy plans? Any videos coming? Any acceptance speeches that you've got? You got to bring the heat. The last few <laughs> acceptance speeches have been fucking incredible. You, you got to talk. About. I, was, I was thinking about that a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, if I win, I really don't want to miss. Because these guys are so good at these little videos you guys make and your editing skills. I don't have any of that artsy shit in me. I'm, I'm a business guy. I don't do that stuff. So I don't know. I, I need to uh, – I was going to bring the heat and, and kind of denounce Anthony's arrival and bring up Nick's arrival. And I was going to make that my little moment, but I just ruined that right now. So I actually <laughs> have nothing planned for, for the speech. I might have to think of something, but we'll see. But I would say don't have high expectations. It won't be anything crazy for a speech. As for trophies, you know me. I'm going to make it really fun for the next uh, uh, year with trophy videos. I'm going to bring that trophy. I might have it in my office. I might make some, some co-worker stuff going on. I might uh, take it around with me, show it to the Tim's lady again. Who knows? I'll have uh, <laughs> for sure. Those videos were – I showed my mom those fucking videos. That's how funny they were. That's how good they were. <laughs> so simple but so effective, eh? Absolutely. A word of advice for your speech, if you're really, really – having trouble coming up with some creative ideas just shit on mike the whole time it's it's foolproof it's just it's guaranteed to get a laugh we'll all love it it'll be great that's different me and mike don't don't have that kind of friendship uh, relationship like you guys do where i could just start ripping on guys you guys all know each other and go way back i can only really do that with crg i'll be honest with mike though that's how you get close to him is just rip him to pieces and then he'll just laugh it off and have a good time say his name and touch his hair and then that'll be pretty much it just don't draw dicks on his car Ooh, yeah. Well, I want to get close to him, though. Yeah. <laughs> don't want to get close to him. Smart man. Smart man. Oh, the worst auto strikes again. Dan, is there anything else you want to say before we see you on uh, Super Bowl night, my man? Uh, let's see. Um, I'd say it was a pleasure. It was a really, really fun, eventful uh, season with you guys. Um, <clears throat> Nick, uh, shout out to you. You, had, you made it a nail-biter, and I always said I was afraid of your team. And, of course, you brought it all the way to the uh, – to the end, with, uh, end there with me, but um, I would just say I'll see you guys in the finals next year. Oof, what a fucking <laughs> ass, what a dick. All right, man. 
We love you. We love the success. If you keep winning, I'm going to have to kick you out of the league. But uh, <laughs> anyway, we'll see you on Super Bowl, man. Thanks for coming on again. Thank you so much. I want to do a quick shout-out uh, to uh, Franco and some of the other play- uh, players in the league who never make the, the playoffs or the finals. You guys got to get it going. Franco's yeah, in the finals two years ago. Franco is in two. Well, you get, I, we can't have the same guys winning over and over, over again. You got me and Nick twice now. You got Mike once. I was a fluke. And you got, uh, who's the other one, Rob? No, we got to get some new champions going. You are Especially correct. You, yeah. You are uh, correct. Do we know when the last time Anthony Caminiti made the playoffs was? I think we both remember, yeah. Do you remember Tones? It was the year I lost to Dan. In the finals. Yeah. 2015. Dan has won what two champ- has won another championship since then. What and Mike fucking, has won. What a fucking shame. Let me ask you guys, how, how how bad is it to hear other guys win twice? Like, are you guys pissed off about that? Can I be honest? It doesn't bug me, no. It's, it's only, here's the thing. It's only bad because one of the champs is Mike. Yeah, that's it. Everyone else is uh, a good guy. Yeah. I'm happy for them. You know what I mean? Like, and, and they come with entertainment and energy. But the fact that Mike has won it and then rubs it in everyone's collective faces, that's, that's Dan, what upsets me. Because if Mike had, if Mike, if it had been Ant that year or Rich, I'd be actually genuinely happy for those people because they wouldn't have rubbed it in my face. Also, I've touched a trophy so many times, I'm never going to win it. And I know this. And I'll, and, and I said this to Ant before we recorded. It's better for the, the league and it's better, especially for the podcast, that both Nick and Mike won over me. That's just better for the league. I'm a team player, Dan. I'm a team player. I'm playing fourth line minutes, right? I'm, I'm checking, four checking in the corners, right? I don't have to be the superstar. It's all good. Yeah, but you're competitive every every year. And I also want to say that I feel like this podcast does help a lot because I, I definitely do my research. And I think it's a big uh, take to my success is, you know, I have a decently strong draft and I try to make some good trades and good waiver wire pickups. But most of it has to do with research. With uh, I listen to some podcasts. I look up some, some articles or whatever. But you guys having this podcast every week actually helps a lot because it makes me know what's going on on other people's teams because I never pay attention to other people's teams. It makes me know what their weaknesses are, what they might be looking for, potential trade partners so actually this podcast really helps a lot for uh, uh, for people to listen so hopefully everyone's going to start listening if they don't already because uh, it only helps you now that I know that the amount of fake news that's going in this <laughs> podcast next year is going to oh, be baffling no. it's going to oh, be no. something unbelievable <laughs> it's going to be good Everyone except for Dan can please put the earmuffs on now, and now we're going to have the Dan segment. Uh, Dan, everyone's team is great, and yours is bad. Do you think better? Um, all right, well, man. I appreciate all the work you guys do, boys. We appreciate, yeah. we appreciate that. All 15 of our unique listeners, plus our friend in... Molly. Molly really appreciates Shout that. Out. All right, buddy. Congrats again. All right. Take it easy. Thanks. See you at the Super Bowl. See you soon. What an absolute gem. Always coming on, bringing fire, bringing heat, and just casually telling us all that we are just worse at fantasy than he is. Just trash. Absolutely. What a shame. Thanks again to Dan, and let's move on, and we're going to go through some other stuff a little more quickly, as Rich, in our second matchup of actual substance, defeats Rob, 91-76. to uh, Rich, in the money, third place, gets his money back, uh, survives 10 points from Deshaun Watson, survives Dalvin Cook being out. A mid-game injury to Ingram, who already had 15 points. Bad days from Tyree Kill and Mike Williams, because of course Mike Williams had a bad day. And Tyler Boyd had 24 points on the bench, but he played Rob, so it didn't matter. Yep. That's basically it. That's basically it. Congrats um, to Rich. Get your money back. I think for Rob, and this was the worst case scenario for him in this season, because he didn't want to be in the championship bracket to begin with, mm-hmm. but he made the playoffs, and then he gets into money consideration by beating my ass in week 14, gets to the semis, and then he's the only team out of four teams to not win any money moving forward. Now, that said, 
he's got some fine draft capital moving forward. Yeah. But in and terms of how this ended in the playoffs, not what he was looking not for. Not what he was looking for. Not the way he drew it up. It's still going to be fine. He still has three first-round picks. He's, I'm sure he's not pissed off, but it's probably not the way he designed this to be. Speaking of draft picks, loser bracket time, buddy. Oh, let's do it. Some housekeeping to take care of. Uh, Franco defeats me, 102-97 for the first overall pick. Franco is officially on the clock. He is the Cincinnati Bengals. Who's he going to take? We don't know. He's going to have a lot of fucking options. Based on what you and I know right now, there's going to be some fucking players. He's going to have some tough decisions. There could be some big names. There could be some good rookies. It's going to be a tough, tough call for Franco with that first overall pick. Hear me out for a second. Go nuts. We're going to get to the draft in just one moment, but my very quick thing with Franco and that first overall pick, I am not envious whatsoever. Same. To get the first pick and then to snake back around. Now, Franco's going to end up picking about 17th on the turn when it comes around because winning the loser bracket bumps him up first round only. Mm -hmm. But I'm not envious of that position. In a year that there's so much depth, having the first pick, if you pick wrong uh, in a draft that there's so much talent and then you have to wait another 17 picks to come back around to you, that is tough. Yes. And and I would almost, like like Dan being in a position, well, I mean, not Dan's a bad example. He traded his first round pick. But guys who have their first and second on the latter end of the draft, they actually may have a better position. And, and I'm not totally, saying... Totally agree. I'm not saying that there's not great picks that are going to go in the top five the next year. Of course there are. But having that extra pick on the back end, that is going to be really valuable for this year. It is. And it's, again, the same thing as last year where there's no stud rookie coming in that is like the surefire number one pick this is it was like this last year and the only difference was that a Tyreek Hill was going back in the draft a legitimate keeper caliber player was going back in the draft and that was the no doubt about it first overall pick yeah this year it might might be not that keeper tier but it might be the tier right below and at the end of next season you're hoping that that player is a bonafide keeper a guy like Chris Godwin for example right now is he a keeper on paper point totals yeah, probably, but like, are you feeling great about it? I'm not sure. Going forward for the next three, four years, there's a lot that has to get figured out there. So Franco's going to have to do all this all summer long and try to figure this stuff out. Um, the other loser bracket matchup, Mike defeating CRG. Shout out to Mike for getting a dub. Uh, 110 to 71, so Mike is picking third. Let's do the draft order. Let's give everybody the first round draft order. Here is what it looks like. Yep, this is updated with trades made for first round picks. So guys that don't have a first round pick include myself, uh, Ryan, Dan. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> let's let's go. Let's do it. Franco, yep. number one, drafting first overall. Congratulations, winning the loser bracket. And then you, number two, losing in the loser bracket. Yeah, then Mike is going third. Uh, and then here's where shit gets interesting. CRG picks fourth, then fifth. Then Rob goes sixth, then seventh. Two guys with back-to-back picks. That is going to be interesting to see how they maneuver that. Uh, Rich, the only contender to keep his to keep his first-round pick out of all the guys that we're buying, and it might pay off, like you were saying. It might be a pretty damn good player that falls on his lap at number eight. Yep. Nick at number nine. Nick, you have your picks. Congratulations. <laughs> and Rob... With his third first-round pick, has the 10th Dan's pick. Yeah. We need to do our new edition of Week 16 edition of Douchebag of the Week. And uh, it's, again, a little conventional this week because everyone is a douchebag except for Dan. I think tones that we all suck so bad because we just can't let history continue to repeat itself. We can't do anything about it. To quote our good friend Mike Dotto, be better.
We need to be better. We are douchebags because we, we suck. And we do suck. Not as much as Freddie Kitchens, the Cleveland Browns, <laughs> um, Mike Zimmer for keeping Dalvin Cook out of the game. Other guys that we've mentioned in the past. We're not quite as douchebaggy, um, but we definitely make the cut this week in Week 16. 100%. Let's do some end-of-the-year awards. Clean it up. Oh, Let's clean up the season. Why don't you get us started? Let's do it. The big one. We're going first. We're leading off with our best hitter. Fantasy MVP this year. It's actually a conversation. And I was thinking about this because the beauty of this pod, and Dan just mentioned it, it keeps you engaged in the league and trying to you know think back and who was doing well early in the season and who wasn't. Dalvin Cook looked great. At a certain point, he we thought he was the fucking surefire guy. Then Lamar Jackson has a crazy stretch. We're thinking, oh my god, is he the fucking MVP of the fantasy season? But through it all, this one player was fucking incredible. He's trying to go for the 1,000-1,000. He's potentially going to be breaking records in Week 17. I think he already beat uh, Chris Johnson's all-purpose yards record, which is insane. Yeah. The year he ran for 2K. Christian McCaffrey, your fantasy MVP, carried a six seed to the finals. And that's, what more do we need to say? And that's it's not just his production. It's his production which helped elevate Nick's team to get to where it needed to be. And yeah. unfortunately couldn't come through because of a 60-plus point differential. Point differential. But, I mean, you, you said it. Taking Nick's team right to the very end. Um, the biggest bust, I will be uh, very happy to be the one to tell you this one. Because Odell Beckham Jr. is the biggest bust of the 2019 season. He was a keeper. He was one of the best receivers in the league coming into this year. And his hands and legs prove that he still is. However, it was an awful season. Tones, the wide receiver 34. Here are some names behind, I'm sorry, in front of Odell Beckham Jr. this season. Cole Beasley, Michael Gallup, Darius Slayton, who didn't show up until week 11, (laughs) Curtis Samuel, DK Metcalf, Terry McLaurin, Jarvis Landry, his own teammate. Are you kidding me? Unbelievable. If you were to tell me that at the beginning of the year, I would have laughed in your face. I re- we were talking about this last night. When you drafted Baker and had Odell, I was terrified. I was sitting there. We were talking on the draft pod like, oh my God, this offense is going to be crazy. There's no way Odell's not going to have 8 to 12 touchdowns this season. Wide receiver 34, man. That's Austin unbelievable. Yeah, brutal. Yeah. Most improved. Yeah. This is a good one. Devontae Parker. It is nice as a Dolphins fan, to see some glimmer of hope in a receiver that we drafted highly and had high hopes for. And with Ryan Fitzpatrick and Josh Rosen throwing to him, and really it came down to Fitz when this season ended, but it was great to see what he could do this year. And he really came on late. The difference for Devontae Parker this year, healthy season. No issues with his hamstring, no issues with concussions. He was strong. Wide receiver, eight Eight. this year. And it was what? strong. It was because of a strong second half. We really, really saw him take off, and he was big for Rich when Rich needed some wins down the stretch. He he had to plug him in. He picked him up from Mike. Had to plug him in. He did, and it's it's hilarious because Mike trades away Devonte Parker and DJ Moore, two yeah. guys who could be in the keeper conversation going into next could year. Could do worse than Mike. That. What yeah. are you doing? Anyway, whatever. It's next. interesting. <laughs> He's another interesting guy going into the draft next year. Like, where does he go? Yeah. Because wide receiver 80 is a wide receiver 1. He's a 2 at worst. Where does he go? If the Dolphins get a quarterback right. and get a better offensive line and look as a team like they're going to compete a little more, Devontae Parker might end up being the receiver that we've all been waiting for. We've all drafted Devontae Parker in the past three years. Oh, yeah. In the mid-rounds, Franco actually I took him in the, so early one year. And, and this was <clears throat> actually the year that we finally gave up on his talent as yeah. fantasy owners because <laughs> Franco took him in the 13th round. 
And to no fault of his own, he didn't hold on to him anymore. He got rid of him. He dropped him. And I understand that because his second half was yeah. what was strong. But yeah. this was the year that we, point is, this was the year we finally gave up on Devontae Parker. And he proved us wrong by finally showing up, having a great season. Crazy. Um, <laughs> this one I like. Is the Village Bicycle. Everyone gets a ride. Oh. The Bukaki of the year, you could say. <laughs> this player was bounced around for pretty much a lot of the league. Yeah. Jason Witten. Everyone. He was on everyone's team at some point. He was on my team. He was on Dan's team. He was on Rich's team. He was on CRG's team. Jason Witten's your classic, oh, fuck, I have a bye week. I need five points out of the tight end spot. Boom. And he goes. And I almost picked him up two or three times when I had that stretch of Hunter Henry being out. Right. He was on my radar every single week. What a joke. Yeah. Let's give some owner awards out, mm-hmm. and we're going to buzz through these. The best draft class goes to Dan. We've already talked about it. What a draft he had, and there's no more that needs to be said. Uh, the worst draft class, this was interesting because there was a lot to actually pick and choose from. But I think it went to Franco. Franco's draft was really fucking tough. Drafted Ertz over Kittle, second and third. I didn't like that in the moment. You didn't like that in the moment. A lot of us were thinking, what the heck's going on here? And Ertz was really bad at the start of the year and then came on after Franco trades him. But it gets worse. Robbie Anderson in the second. Allen Robinson in the third, not terrible. Christian Kirk in the fourth, pretty much had two weeks of relevance. Uh, Tyrell Williams, who was actually solid. Um, Tariq Cohen, bust. Bears defense in the 8th, he does this every year, gets a defense nice and early. Michael Gallup in the 8th as well, not bad. James Washington, Drew Brees, Jake Elliott, Gio Bernard, Devontae Parker, who didn't end up on his team. But Anderson, Kirk, Cohen, like, that's just... Especially missed on a lot of guys The early and mid-rounds, it hurts a lot. Honorable mentions goes to Nick for the worst draft, but it's not really any fault of his own. He didn't have any draft picks, so it was really tough... It was really tough to make it work. Um, the boldest move, I gotta be. It's gotta be Ryan going to get Gurley. Um, Ryan getting Todd Gurley and taking him off Rob's team is like one of the strangest things that has happened right. in fantasy and in the last six the years. First. Honorable mentions maybe to me as well with the Cooper and Thielen trade. See, this is where we disagree. I think I have you as the boldest move. Really? I do. The only reason I you can say that in terms of the moment of the move, but in terms of the impact and what it did. I mean, Cooper was good and actually won me a week or two in prime time, but Thielen was irrelevant. He showed up on my team, didn't even catch a ball. He produced zero points for my fantasy team for the rest of the year. So I traded a first-round pick to get Mari Cooper, and that was great, but he didn't really... The second half of that didn't really do much. And to me, Rob being without Gurley and Ryan getting him is, to me, what happens... is the biggest shock factor for me with this move. But agree to disagree. I, I just think you took the biggest swing. I think you guys, both these trades are big, hitting for the fences, let's go for it all. I think you took the biggest one. Sure. Uh, we uh, yeah. we do the least improved award this year, the SO least improved <laughs> award. That's Mike, because it was just a bad season, man. What are you doing? What no are you idea. doing? What's the plan, Michael? What is the plan? You just mentioned it. He's trading Parker and DJ Moore. Like, what's the fucking plan? Three RBs next year? Do it. But then figure it out. However, I do think that he gets the best fantasy team name award this year. Oh, yeah. With all hail... Ergodan? Ergodan? Are we saying that right? No, it's not even... The thing is, asterisk, it's not even his. It's not even his name. Rob said you have to do this, and he's just like, okay, cool, let's do it. it." But in terms of what it looks like on paper, and the fact that that name will now be saved in our league's history as the name that moves forward, it's incredible. You have a... picture, too. 
Oh, great. it's great. You have a different idea. Yeah, I have Team Brownface just because it pissed oh, you off so much. Of I just course. love how much that made you so angry. And also, that <laughs> is just like, in five years, we're going to be like, what was the story behind that? It was like, oh yeah, election year, that whole thing happened. Yeah, cool. Amazing. And the final thing we have is the worst <laughs> team name. It's got to go to CRG. Tell me Ew, why. That's Gold Jerry. <laughs> Last week, he changes it to that's Gold Jerry. It's a kicker you just picked up <laughs> in week 16. Like, Why? Why are you changing your team name to that? Come on, CRG. Because he like, named like, his team. RG3's back this week. He's starting. Yeah. Does CRG3 come back? I think it should. I don't know. And the unfortunate thing is, is that for the first time in league history, we're not going to have CRG3 saved in the league for this year. It's Ugh. going to be that school. And I'm going to look back and think, whose team was that? Yeah. Oh, right. CRG, who names who names his team after kickers, yeah. like Matt living on a Prater. Nonsense. Anyway. um, Yeah, you have a note here. The decade's over, guys. Yeah. It's done. The 2010s are complete, though. I like looking back at this. I saw an interesting tweet, and it's like, yeah, like it's cool to look back and see the fucking, you know, who was the great guys in, in years past, and we've had this league now for over half this decade. So here's the most fantasy points scored this decade by position. Quarterback, Drew Brees, 3,000-plus points. Wow. Running back, LaShawn McCoy, 2,300 points. Do you remember how good LaShawn McCoy was? Yes. He was, I believe, the first overall pick the first in the inaugural draft of this league. By Jared. By Jared. Correct. Shout out. Yeah. Uh, wide receiver, Antonio Brown. Pour one out. 2,400 plus points. Shame. Tight end. Who did you think tight end was? Oh, my God. I mean, Kelsey's been so good, but we're going back 10 years now. I got to just say Kelsey. I thought it was going to be Gronk. It's Jimmy Graham. Wow. Jimmy Graham, 1,800 points. Oh, my goodness. How quickly we forget how dominant he was. Uh-huh. Uh, the Seahawks take the defense special team. There's no surprise there. Yep. And Steven Goskowski, 1,300 points, was your kicker MVP of the decade. So, that's the decade. Let's do the season. Yeah. <clears throat> Here's the fantasy lineup of the season. This would be the best team in the history of 2019. The quarterback is, of course, Lamar Jackson. We're all starting QB Lamar. Running back one, Christian McCaffrey. Running back two, Aaron Jones has crazy. the second most points for this year, which to me is crazy because there were so many weeks of him having like four or five points getting Only shut down. Only a few. Only a few. But then he goes and puts yeah. up 40 twice. Yeah. It's insane. Honorable mention goes to Dalvin Cook, though, mm-hmm. because Dalvin got hurt, would have finished with more points. However, he didn't. We're doing best of the season. You got the wide receivers. Uh, the wide receivers is where shit gets crazy. The number one guy, Mike Thomas, <laughs> unbelievable. Uh, Should have been in our MVP conversation. Doesn't matter. Wide receiver two, Chris Godwin. Best first round pick this year, probably the best draft pick this year. Wide receiver three, Kenny Galladay. One thing about those three names, Doors, what is it? Dan has all three of his fantasy, all all three of these receivers. What the fuck? Are you kidding me? Unreal. All three on his roster. Moving on to the tight end position, Travis, Kelsey, Kind of no surprise there, although maybe Mark Andrews, you know, uh, like I was I a little surprised by some, like, yeah. this was one of the ones I was surprised of, because you remember, you and I on this pod were like, through week five, we're like, man, when's Kelsey going to turn it on? Like, when's this going to happen? And it just so happens at tight end, there's just not a lot of good ones, or not enough good ones, where you can just string together a few good weeks and just turn it on, and all of a sudden it propels you into elite status and that's what happened to Kelsey I suppose no surprise in terms of him being the dominant number one tight end for the last few years but yes for this season yeah you make a good point in the flex position Julio Jones the next best player that we hadn't already mentioned um which is surprising because I mean I know Julio's been great but I just I didn't realize that Julio had such a steady and consistent season it's pretty impressive it is I'm surprised that he was that high but like this is the thing that 
we're just talking about with Dan, right? How confident are you week to week in a guy like Julio Jones? So what we were talking about last week, like Ryan's going to have a decision to make. Is Julio going back in the draft instead of Cooper Cup? Because that you can rely on, you can make a case that you can rely on Cup week to week more than you can rely on Julio. That it's going to be really interesting, especially because he he said that he wanted to get rid of. Well, he said that he wanted to keep Cup. Keep Cup, me. yeah. <clears throat> Um, honorable mentions going to Mike Evans, who, like Dalvin Cook with Aaron Jones in the situation, Evans would have finished with more points if he had played. So instead of Julio, we may have had Mike Evans, but he ended up getting hurt. It's this is where we're at. This is where we are. Special teams? Special teams, Harrison Butker, the butt face, my boy. And defense, no surprise here. New England Patriots. Literally carried you this season. So you and I winning teams. Uh, race in terms of players <laughs> and what so they've done <laughs> and nothing else. We literally are completely useless otherwise. And hey, I got Aaron Jones in there. I got Aaron oh, Jones. I'm sorry. No, you do. You have Aaron Jones in there. Congratulations. Missed the playoffs. Cool. 1.84. Don't forget. Ooh, we won't forget, especially now that you have a shiny new t-shirt. Oh, to, I love uh, that shirt so it. much. It's so great. Um, Especially if AB becomes a saint. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole different story and we don't even have time for it. But, nope. Tones, it's been an hour in this pod and this is it. This is it for the season. This over, is week man. 16. It's over. Dan has won again. Deja vu all over again. I mean, any final takeaways from the season and, and how you feel about about everything that's happened? Uh, it was probably the most frustrating <laughs> fantasy season of all time. And I, if this happens again, I'm never doing this ever again. I'm still contemplating retirement, by the way. This is still a thing. But it was fun. Overall, it was a fun year. There's a lot of crazy shit that happened. A lot of big trades, finally. The league got shook up this year. I cannot wait to see the keeper decisions going into next season. Because I have no fucking clue what guys are going to do. I don't even know what I'm going to do. There's so many massive question marks. That is going to be exciting going into next year. This is hands down the most difficult draft order spreadsheet I'll ever have to make. (laughs) This is, like you said, hands down the most difficult keeper decision that we're going to have to ever experience. Now, injuries are going to play a part. Teams shake, mixing, you know, changing teams or coaches changing teams, what have you. But still, in terms of the talent on some of these rosters, it's it's crazy what we're going to see next year. Um, yeah, I mean, for for a year that had so many things happen and 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 controversy and Rob not starting Matt Stafford and for for what seemed like a crazy year it's just insane that we're just right back to square one again with Dan winning this league just like in 2015 I do hate that it it ends so quickly right like there's so much build up we're so excited about the fantasy season and then blink of an eye it's like oh shit it's the real NFL playoffs now and that sucks yeah um it was fun to do this man we had a good time this year we kept it every single week we had a pod it was good man every week we had a pod even in weeks that one of us wasn't here, which right. happened three times, twice with me, once with you, and we still pumped it out. We upgraded the entertainment value with some drops, some music, some fade-ins, and fade-outs. Yeah, oh. This has been... Big time. You know what? This the has fades been... Fades were nice. This, yeah, this has been a lot of fun, and we'll bring the heat even more next year. Maybe we'll get some live ad reads next year. We're going to... I'm going to keep yelling. That's what I'm going to keep doing. That's not Live ad reads. We're not making money from this. No way. 15, if 15 listeners goes up to 30, we're talking, that's that's times two. There's some Molly cell phone companies that need uh, <laughs> need some fucking thing. Hey, Huawei, let's Huawei go. Molly. Let's get some. Let's get some stuff. What are you going to do with all your free time? We don't have to do a podcast anymore. I'm going to jerk off a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, glad, I'm glad you're finally going to make time for that. Need to do it, man. Uh, Elise Grillo, please do never, uh, ne- never listen to this podcast. Um, one one final note, Tones. Go. Is that as of Super Bowl, we are going to be officially six years through this league. Crazy. Which started 
with 12 plates on the Darren Sharper Memorial. That's halfway through. Half of them filled. Oh, it's insane. It's crazy. And I don't know. This has just been so much fun. I'm glad you're not retiring because we said that we were both going to retire after the season. What are you talking about, man? I'm still contemplating. Oh, of course, of course. But at Decisions least... might be made. It might be a surprise press conference. You might have to do an emergency pod. Let's just run the podcast next year. Maybe charge everyone a little bit more money to pay for some the, the time fees. Sure. We'll, we'll collect like $5 yeah, we need a an salary. hour. Fuck you guys. 100%. Yeah. Now we're really thinking. Now, oh yeah. um, let's let it go, Tones. Let's let it go for the season. And shake your hand. Bye. No one can hear this. So, everybody, uh, enjoy the football playoffs without us. Go Saints. Who that? Zone, 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 zone. Let me see your shoulders work. I mean, I don't know what y'all came here to do, but uh, if you ain't got a lighter, what the fuck you smoking for? <laughs>